Good day, everyone. We are so glad you have joined us on this podcast where we try to take the events of the world. We hold on to our newspapers. We hold on to our Bibles. And you can't read the newspaper every day without looking at the whole Middle East is breaking apart. And we have somebody just back from the Middle East. It, it, Kyle is here with me today, and he took a team of people to Israel. And so I want to get us, give us a different slant on the Middle East because what God did is he chose to take a land, Israel, and to illustrate lots of truths. So Kyle traveled with a group of people through the land of Israel, and it was a life-changing experience. So we want to talk a little bit about how God met people in that land. How did God meet people there? What did you see God do? Well, it's spectacular because you do read the newspaper. You think it's going to be this volatile, crazy. You're going to see people with guns everywhere and, you know, uproars just on the edge. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really one of the... Uh, you feel so incredibly safe the whole time you're there. It's really amazing because even the promises God gave are still true. Like you just feel this sense of peace and security. God speaks louder than anything that's happening in the spaces around there. So people take time and they go to the land and you promise that God will meet them in a unique way. The Bible kind of comes alive. Mm-hmm. And so you were talking about different people and some things that happen. Tell us uh some stories of just how God met people specifically. Yeah. Well, the, so the way we do the trip is we show up in the spaces where Jesus walked, where these defining moments took place between the disciples like Peter or John. And um, Jesus asked these penetrating questions about who do you say that I am? What do you believe to be true about me um, of culture and of his disciples? And people wrestle with those same questions in the same places that Jesus asked them. And it's powerful because you get to see... Uh, you want some specific stories? Yeah, exactly. Tell okay. me about the lady who so, about forgiveness. Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things. There's people that came with huge secrets and just, you know, had been overwhelmed by the sense of shame and guilt in their lives. Some of them for years. We're talking 10 to 20 years. Um, issues with family members, their their sons, their daughters, their spouses. And they get to experience this sense of freedom and peace and that God, number one, is big enough to handle their fear, their doubt, their shame, their guilt. And so then they become passionate about leaving that there, but also coming home and extending that same forgiveness and having these really honest, uh, vulnerable conversations about forgiveness and grace um, with family members. Um, Good. You talked about a guy who came and his job was basically just to be there with a family member and yet Mm -hmm. God changed his life. How did God meet him? Yeah. You know, he was broken. I mean, Churches are these wonderfully spiritual places that are run by human beings, and we're all a part of it. And so it's this amazing holiness and righteousness and this incredible humanity that gets confronted all the time. And so people get hurt by churches. And he was one of those guys. He had been really hurt by the church when he was a kid. And he's, you know, he kind of threw Jesus and God out with the church. And so um, he just was a proclaimed agnostic that was there to just be with a family member. And it was really cool because in the midst of some of our conversations, I just said, you know what? I would just hope that you'd be willing to let God speak because I believe this is a place where he wants to speak to you and you're not here by accident. And, you know, by the end of the trip, he was at least willing to acknowledge that his perceptions and his assumptions um, had started to be changed. And you just see the power of God in just reshaping and transforming people's minds and their perspectives on who he is. You know, as we go places, a lot of times we think that knowing things will change our life. And you talked about one guy, very bright guy, mm-hmm. who thought if he could know enough, then that ultimately would be the answer. And knowledge is a great thing and mm-hmm. is very valuable. 
But ultimately, we aren't just brains. We're wills, we've got hearts and passions. We're a much more integrated person. And so this guy goes with this, I, with this hope, I'll learn enough, and that'll make the difference. What happened with him? Yeah, you know, he's been on this huge quest. You know, he's got doctorates and degrees, you know, from lots of different prestigious universities, and he's an educator. And, you know, that, uh, he took that into his spiritual journey. And so he's been on this spiritual quest um, with great teachers um, and lots of different people and even different faiths, just reading and studying. And, you know, he had accepted Christ, but I don't know that it really become real for him until he was there and, and God spoke to him. And part of that was in Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus did ask that question of culture, who do you say that I am? And are you going to trust me to be that in your life? And that was a place where he was able to finally just say, I know enough. And I trust Jesus. And while I want to continue to learn more about culture and people, I don't need to be on this spiritual journey. Um, I know Jesus, and that's enough for me. So, So Kyle, you go, and you uh, literally, just a few days ago, uh, because this week we're going to celebrate the triumphal entry, Mm. and as you come into Jerusalem, you come in a bus over the Mount of Olives and literally come down the same road that Jesus came down to into Jerusalem. What insights do you have for us as we look towards this this week, preparing ourselves just for the triumphal entry. Uh, what are some of your thoughts and reflections you know about what? that place, seeing Jerusalem, being in Jerusalem? You know, a couple things. One of them is I'm, I'm always staggered by the fact that fr- from one week, right, Jesus is amazingly celebrated as heroic and for the people. And a week later, you know, he's being crucified on a cross. And, you know, the reality of that timeline is powerful. Uh, you know, Jesus... He was a radical, and he was for the people. And one of the things that we wrestled with, and we sat on the shepherd's fields, where we remember that Jesus came to be with us, to be like us, uh, and to love us forever. And the one thing that I think I and we have such a hard time believing is that Jesus was like us. He was fully human and fully God. And so when you get to see the humanity of Jesus expressed, it becomes so much more real to believe that he was in a pit. He felt alone. He felt desperate. He felt um, abandoned, and he felt like his friends had betrayed him. And so when we have those feelings, we can believe and trust that Jesus had those feelings as well. Um, The other thing is, I totally forgot the other thing, but it'll come back to me. No, no, I got it. I got it. 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 Okay, good. The other thing is um, the power of surrender. Um, You know, the Garden of Gethsemane, we spent some Mm -hmm. time there. And you know, we look at Israel and what are the most dangerous places in Israel? We're talking about the most dangerous places even in the Middle East. And one of the things we remembered as a group is that really the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus totally um, so as you're using his the will. word danger, just to be clear, dangerous as opposed to we think of it being physically yeah. dangerous, but it's dangerous in that we meet the truths of God's word. We come to these historical places where historical things happen, and they become dangerous for us because we are faced with the truths of what happened in that space. Right. And then we have to deal with them. They're right. life-altering, and that's what makes them dangerous. And so one of these dangerous places for you was? Absolutely, the garden where Jesus completely, of, Gethsemane, okay. where he completely surrendered his will to God's will. And he prayed two and three times, God, I take this away. I don't want this, but if this is your will, then I'll do it. And um, I think that's the most dangerous spiritually and dangerous for us as human beings to be able to completely release um, whatever our will is to God's and to trust him. And so I guess for this Passion Week uh, from Palm Sunday to Easter, that's the staggering things for me, that he was radical, he was for the people, that this is 
a life-transforming message that is timeless, and that really it's this place of honesty and surrender that brings healing and freedom, and I got to see it lived out. In okay, so lives. let's talk about what it did for you. You sit in that place in the garden, which isn't a very large place, maybe a football field on the side of a mm-hmm. hill. Um, that's all the larger it is, and yet you you sat, you reflected, you journaled about Jesus being in this place where he's going to surrender. It's the whole point of his life, but now he has to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And so you had to reflect about that. So what was your surrender moment? (laughs) Um, I think a couple things. And uh, the first steps, okay. Holiday, my wife and I have been praying and considering, um, we heard God say, create space in our family. And we've been wondering, what does that look like? What does that look like? And we've done safe families for kids here in Orange County where you create space and take in kids for families that are in crisis. We've been considering what does it look like to have more kids. And really the surrender for me was, um, I felt God clearly say that we need to do foster care and adopt. And so we're going to explore that option here locally, and we feel called to listen to Jesus and respond, which is a huge deal. Now, is that a we or is that you? Now, Holiday (laughs) been more there? Where have you been more there? She's been more there, and I've been not so much there. Um, And what does the surrender mean? Did it mean that you just have to do it or you have to be open to it? I, I think at this point, we have to take the steps to explore and go down that path and let God do what he wants to do. I have a tendency to want to control the circumstances and define boundaries real tight for God. So if he'll say, do this, I'll say, okay, God, we'll line this up and that up and make these doors clear and these ones not, and then I'll do it. And I think God just said, you know what, go home and have a conversation with your kids and go home and have a conversation with the county. And that's all I know at this point is I've got to walk and I've got to pursue it and I've got to do it. Um, But dangerous even to take the first steps to open the door because holidays in this position of saying, I'm interested, I want to do this. Uh, there is a sense of releasing control. I don't know now about my future. Uh, it changes some things. And you even know what it might look like mm-hmm. because you took in some kids for three months right. and it changed your family dynamic yeah. around. So to sit there and go, okay, God, <laughs> if this is what you want me to do, I'll release it. And, yeah. that, and that, must, that has to be emotional. It has to be threatening. That's, it became yeah. a dangerous place it for you. It became a very scary place. Um, but at the same time, one that, um, there's a huge peace uh, that God gives, I think, in the context, at least for me and for us. And I think it's the way he helps us take those courageous, dangerous, scary, messy steps of our journey. But you're making practical, really, this whole season of Lent, the 40 days before Easter, yeah. as we remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. But it becomes way more tangible when we begin to think about uh, this journey of surrender and taking this idea and saying, opening our hands saying, God, what is it that I'm holding too tightly? What do I have to open my hands and say, God, I want to trust you with my family. I want to trust you with my future. I want to trust you with my finances, my dreams, my hopes, my aspirations. And when we open our hands, believing that he'll speak, and we look at this story, defining story, in the last week of Jesus's life, where he's saying, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust your plan, your will, when he knows what it means for him, it's mm-hmm. the death and the crucifixion, all of the pain. Yep. And he's saying, I'll trust you that that garden of Gethsemane becomes this powerful place of surrender where you're saying, OK, God, I'll let go. Are there other stories you get because people share their stories as we're just thinking about that? Are there other stories uh, that people shared that made that surrender moment? become alive that would help us as we're moving towards that moment? Yeah, I think, you know, we talked about the one about 
shame and guilt. And so I think people were able to surrender their desire to control and to contain their story in general, just because out of shame or guilt or fear that they would be judged and condemned, they were able to surrender that and say, I'm coming out of hiding uh-huh. and I'm going to share. And I'm Which gonna... is scary because then people oh might gosh. reject me, might not accept me. Absolutely. Right. Which becomes a real stronghold. And so that willingness to come out, be honest, that's a great one to surrender, secret keeping, other yeah. things people surrendered. Uh, you know, there was another guy who is just a courageous husband and a great son and brother you know, successful businessman, and he's holding all of these things and feeling like he has to carry the burden and the weight of all of them. And it's in that place where he finally was able to turn them loose and say, I'm not enough. I don't have the strength uh, or the wisdom or the power to, to control all of these stories. So he's surrendering competence. I will be the overconfident mm-hmm. one who can make up for everything. I can hold all these things. And release it and say, God, I'll let you be God. I yeah. can't be God. I'll surrender yeah. the God position. Yeah. And there was, you know, there's another beautiful story. There was a lady who was looking forward to worshiping God in Jerusalem all week. She said, that's part of my expectation and why God brought me here. And she was surprised to find that what true worship looked like for her was not in these beautiful cathedrals or on the Temple Mount or any of those. It was in the Garden of Gethsemane and in surrender. Mm -hmm. It was emotional and it was powerful. And she said, I never would have thought this would have been the most defining place for me to worship was in this place of total surrender, total fear, total abandonment, but yet also total freedom as a result of it. So it was interesting, just our perceptions of worship and what we think God wants and where he really wants to meet us. God meets us in a powerful way. That sense of saying, okay, God, here I am, and I'll open up my hands in a complete way like you did, Mm -hmm. and being in that place. You know, one of the things that, one of my favorite stories is the story of uh, Les Miserables that Victor Hugo wrote. And in his book, All the Time, the question is, just before the French Revolution, this is the student revolution, people were saying, where is God? Where is God? Because there was this injustice in the world. And yet the story resounds so profoundly, just like what you're saying. In the story, God is in the individual meeting one person at a time. And that's the beauty of what God does. And as we move towards Easter, we all have this hope that God will meet us individually in these moments as we reflect on the story of what Jesus did as he now then comes into Jerusalem. He goes through all the events of the last week of his life, going to the Last Supper, then the Garden of Gethsemane, then, of course, the cross, ultimately, then Easter in the resurrection. God meets us in these moments, and he meets us in a profound way, like Kyle's been talking to us about. So I challenge you, take the story of Jesus, be reading it this week, be ready for Easter. Thanks for joining us.